golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I love to play. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. I turn on the lights. I love to play. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with Jeff Shane, on the eve of the Open Championship. And Jeff, I know you've been there a number of times to cover across the pond this third major of the year. Can't believe it's the third major already. And no other place like St. Andrews. None. The home of golf. (laughs) Tell us what this iconic course and the wonderful village is all about. Well, it, it's as much to me about the town as it is the, the venue. And, and the venue, of course, is, is fantastic. Um, it's wide open. It's right on the, the, the North Sea. You can actually walk out the, the press tent about 100 yards and go stick your feet in the West Sands Beach. Nice. And... Uh, and uh, the the town you've never seen Augusta comes close, perhaps, but there is no town that lives and breathes and breathes deeply golf like St Andrews does. You can walk down Main Street, it's not Main Street, but whatever it's called, uh, and, and walk into Octorloni's Golf Shop, which has been there since Willie Octorloni himself was a proprietor in making golf clubs, and they still make wooden clubs over there just you know nobody uses them uh, but you can put them on your mantle and they look really good and and um, you can walk uh, just a few blocks over and and go see castle at st andrews or go visit the cemetery where young tom morris is buried um, it's as fun away from the golf course as it is actually there and we know how great it is there i i see all these all, all these television shots of st andrews and even last week at the Scottish Open at Gullen, and I just get a smile on my face because I just love that atmosphere in July. Yes, and the fans. Something mm. special also about how knowledgeable the fans are over there. A- absolutely, and and very appreciative of uh, golf when maybe you're not hitting it close to the hole. They understand if you're in trouble and you've short-sighted yourself or you have to clear a lip of a bunker and your ball rolls 20 feet away, maybe that's the best possible play that you could have had, and and they will applaud you for it, and they will say, well played. And it's much, much different than what you see uh, in a lot of fan bases here in the States. Well, we're going to waste no more time because we are going live to St. Andrews. Uh, I don't know maybe how many pints of beer he's had at this point, but we are going to go to one of our favorite golf insiders from Philadelphia. 
and an esteemed member of the Golf Writers Association of America, Mike Kern. Hi, Michael. Hey, I'll have you know, I walked halfway over to Kingdom of Fife to get your uh, yellow mug. <gasps> so, oh, my God. Just, just you're torturing me. <laughs> you're the best friend ever. So tell us what's going on. The weather is approaching, uh, you know, nothing better than the Open Championship. When I talk about it, I just get goosebumps. Well, uh, tomorrow, if the forecast is kind of changing. I it, it, Originally tomorrow, I don't think it was supposed to rain until like at night. Now, one we've seen says it could roll in about 6 o'clock our time. Um and Friday, it, it, it wasn't supposed to be good like all day. Friday was supposed to be the bad day. But I guess if the rain starts early, maybe it could clear out at some point on Friday. But, you know, here, who knows? And then Saturday supposedly is going to be very windy, which probably is more treacherous than the rain, depending upon how hard it rains. But um, So, yeah, it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be a British Open. It's not going to be like it was five years ago. When, well, I mean, it got, it got windy on Friday five years ago, very windy. But the rain didn't rain. So, you know, what's it going to do to the course? Probably soften it. Um, you know, uh, but, I mean, you don't expect to come over here and not have it do something. So, Well, it wouldn't be a major without a lot of storylines um, in the works. We have history awaiting for Jordan Spieth, possibly winning his third major in a row this year on his quest for a potential Grand Slam at the age of 21. We have Tom Watson saying farewell at St. Andrews. No, no name more synonymous with the Open Championship. And Tiger, you know, coming off his, uh, his little bit of a, of a boost at, Green, at the Greenbrier. Tell us what uh, you feel is going to shape up here. Well, you can get Tiger at 40 to 1 at Ladbrokes, which may be low. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it depends what you think of Tiger. I mean, he's won here twice. He won twice by a lot, but that was a long time ago. Um, but I guess if he's going to play well anywhere, this would be one of those places. Um, it's hard to foresee anybody making a run at a Grand Slam when you figure that Hogan – well, Hogan did actually win the third. Nicholas couldn't do it. Palmer couldn't do it. Tiger couldn't do it. But, you know, I mean, I actually liked Rory a lot. I had him, I had him in our pick'em thing, so that means he's getting me nothing this week. <laughs> but, I mean, he's not here, so it doesn't matter. Um, and the second favorite, actually, is Dustin Johnson, which, you know, who is playing with Spieth, uh, ironically, in the first two rounds. So, you know, I don't know where Dustin's at after what happened at Chambers Bay. I mean, he's got the length to play here. That's for sure. I mean, all the winners – for the most part, that have won here have been guys that hit the ball pretty long. I mean, Wisthuizen, Tiger, Jack, Seve. I mean, the only uh, – Daly in 95. You think of the people who've won here. If you go back to 70, you have two Nicholases, a Seve, a Faldo, and two Tigers. You know, and then you had John Daly in there somewhere. But So the list of winners has usually been pretty good here, pretty historic names so I don't know what that means. I mean, you know, I mean, who's going to get the luck of the draw? You know, if you play early tomorrow and late Friday, maybe you get more favorable conditions. I don't know. Now, Jordan Spieth is playing early tomorrow, late Friday. Tiger's playing early tomorrow, late Friday. Dustin has the same thing. So it's, you know, trying to, to pick these things. I mean, 
I'm one of those people who don't think Jordan will win just because I don't think somebody will win three majors in a row. But he's playing so well right now. You know, I mean, to, to pick against him, you know, I mean, if you said, could you take Jordan or the field, I'm taking the field. But, you know, Jordan's pretty good. <laughs> you know, he's only 21, so we'll see. We're talking to Mike Kern, award-winning golf scribe from the Philadelphia Daily News live from St. Andrews. You've got a question, Jeff? Well, I, as we look at who might be the best competition uh, aside from Jordan Spieth, who would who would give him the best run? Uh, we, we know that Ricky Fowler won at Gullen last week. We, we haven't seen Dustin Johnson at all, but he played pretty well up until the last three putts at uh, at Chambers Bay. I mean, who do you think is going to uh, maybe be the, the guy that moves to the top, whether or not Jordan Spieth moves with him? I mean, it's so hard. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of like Sergio a little bit. I mean, I had Sergio last year, and he almost won. Um I mean, it's just hard because usually you think of the usual suspects. I was trying to look like down the list and think of trying to find a guy who's maybe longer odds who could maybe win here. I mean, Bubba hits it long enough. I, I just don't kind of trust Bubba. Um, no, do I. But he certainly hits it long enough. I think here you're going to look for a guy who hits it pretty long. But once again, if, if the course conditions are soft, you're going to play a St. Andrews that they're, nor- they're not used to playing because usually you have to run the ball in there. Like Tiger was saying, you know, you might have to start playing more to the pin than you normally would. And, you know, so it's who can make the adjustments on the fly. You know, who's, who's going to be playing maybe in, in a certain wind on Thursday and then adjust to it on Friday? And you just don't know what it's going to do. But, I mean, you know, uh, Justin Rose, I think, is the third favorite. I think, like, it's 16-1 to 1 or something along those lines. I mean, Jordan, actually, I was over there today. I think Jordan's 10-1. to 1. He's either 8-1 to 1 or 10-1. to 1. I'm not sure. And it seems to me like for a favorite, that's kind of high, especially with the fact that Rory's not here. I remember one year, it was 205, I guess, Tiger was 3-1 to one before the tournament. I should have bet him, and I was stupid. He goes out and shoots like 67 on the first day or whatever he shot. He was 1-3 to three the next day. So, you know, maybe Jordan at 8-1 to one or 10-1 to one is, is the way to go. If you're into that sort of thing, um, I tend to play longer odds more often than not trying to get a payoff. But, I mean, I just kind of think it's hard for me to imagine Sergio going through his whole career and never winning a major, but Colin did. So, you know, Lee Westwood probably will. So I guess it happens. But, um, you know, and then again, it could somebody be, it could be, you know, I mean, who had Louis Wissheisen five years ago? You know, now the guy is actually proven by almost winning the Masters that almost win the Chambers Bay that he's a legitimate golfer. But at the time, who knew? So, it's it anymore. I, I when I start predicting things, it's usually wrong. So I I try to stay away from that. <laughs> well, the Open Championship has also favored the forty-year-olds in the past five years with Darren Clark yeah. and Ernie winning. So maybe we. I had Ernie else. Through, through, it was funny in the paper because we used to do a as well as a guy named Phil. Him. No, I, well, I didn't have Phil, but I had Ernie. He was forty to one that year, and some guy actually emailed me afterwards and said thanks because he had bet him. At forty to one, I was playing with funny money, but um, he had played at Muirfield. I think that's why I looked at Ernie because he he won at Muirfield the time before. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think like who the over forty crowd is that excites me. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's you, you know so much of the focus is on Jordan, 
that it's hard to really look at other people because if he goes out and plays, you know, as well as he did at Augusta, which he probably won't. I mean, he really played well at Augusta. And he didn't play great at Chambers Bay, but he figured out a way to, to do it, you know, thanks to the three-pup, but he still figured out a way. It's just if he plays – and I'm not saying it's like Tiger was when Tiger was there or whatever, because it's not. And people are starting to get carried away, I think, a little bit. But if he plays his – you know, close to his best or something in there, he's going to probably be hard to beat. And, you know, like I said, I just don't see – a guy going to, to Whistling Straits with a chance to win the Grand Slam it just doesn't seem conceivable that you know, this 21-year-old kid is going to be the first guy to do it, you know, since Hogan. But maybe, you know, sometimes things are happening right in front of you and you just you don't kind of want to acknowledge it. And You know, I mean, he's the first guy since 1941 to win his second major on his first try. Now, that guy, Craig Wood, never won another major. But I think Jordan's going to win more majors – I'm not saying he's going to win 14 or 10 or whatever. I still think Rory, going forward, if, if it's not a serious injury or whatever, I think Rory's the better golfer. I think Rory has a better chance to be higher on the all-time list than, than Jordan. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Um, I just think when, when Rory is playing, like we saw last year at the British, and, and, and a little bit and, and when he won at Kiowa, when he's on his game, you know, he, he pretty much, you can't touch him uh, because he just drives it so far and, and so straight. Jordan has to do it a little bit of a different way. He's not the longest hitter in the world, so he has to be more precise doing other things. But he is probably the best putter in the world right now. And if you can putt, you always have a chance. And it's what's between your ears, Mike Kern, and he certainly, from a mental perspective, oh, yeah. and the ability to just synthesize each situation each tournament that he plays in and then take it to the next level you know that's just gifted at this young when age. you sit there and listen to him holly it's it's hard to think that he's 21 years old really and i mean tiger had that a little bit too you know it may be in a little bit different way but tiger was thinking ahead of his ahead of his age but think about this tiger won his first major and it took him 11 more majors to get his second and then he went on that run where he won like 7 of 11 or some unconscious thing. But um, Jordan just doesn't sound like a 21-year-old when you, when you sit there and listen to him. And he's going to go through his things. I mean, you know, he's going to go through slumps and this and that. They all do. It's inevitable. But right now, at this moment, you know, it, I mean, it's hard for me to see him playing badly this week. So I don't know what that means. I mean, I, don't, you know, I just can't see him like missing the cut. Or something like that. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to finish in the top three. It might mean he finishes 15th or 20th or whatever. I just don't see him playing badly this week. Um, but again, you know, Tiger in, in 2002 was, I thought, would have won at Muirfield if he doesn't get caught in the Superstorm on Saturday and shoot 81. But we'll never know. Um, and, I, and, and Jordan even alluded to that today. He said, I'm not Tiger. Like, don't compare me to Tiger. You know, what Tiger did was off the charts. You know, I, I'm, I've won two majors, you know, and, and he's right. But people, you know, the world we live in, you don't want to do that. You know, everybody wants it, That's not the world we live in. So couldn't agree more. Do. And I thought he handled that brilliantly as well. Uh, one last question before we let you go, because there sure. was some news that came out that uh, apparently there was a dinner last night and Darren Clark said that Rory could possibly be out with this injury till January. 
oh, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, look, when, you, when he first had this injury, and I'm not a doctor. I play one on TV, but I'm not a doctor. You know, it was serious. I mean, people were saying it's like if, you know, whatever kind of recovery time it was. And when he was saying, I just think the first statement that came out was like, we don't know if he's going to play in the open. Well, that was just Rory talking because obviously he doesn't, he, he doesn't want to miss it. You're the defending champ at these two majors, and you're going to miss both of them. He's not going to play at Whistle Straits. Um, and if I was Rory, the last thing I would do is come back too soon. There's no reason to. You're 26 years old. You've got your whole career ahead of you. If this takes a year to come back, take a year. Do whatever it is. Because the worst thing you can do is come back too quick, change your swing, re-injure something, whatever. Now you're in Tiger land. Exactly. You know, Tiger's kind of been going through. Um, and you don't want to do that. There's no reason to do that. If you miss two majors, you miss two majors. Um, I, I, you know, if you're playing in them only because you're a defending champion, I mean, I understand. We've seen Tiger play in some majors that maybe he shouldn't have played in. I mean, I don't know. But if I was Rory, I would just go to the doctor and say, shut me down. Let's rehab this properly. I'm not even going to start doing anything until I'm cleared or whatever. Because I think it's a pretty serious injury. Well, I don't think this is, you know, it's his leg. It's, it's, it's the power leg. It's whatever you want to call it. You can't screw around with that. He's got... He's got too much at stake. It's too early in his career. He's got 15 more good years out here probably. Why mess with it? Couldn't agree more. Mike Kern from the Philadelphia Daily News, live from St. Andrews. Thank you, my friend, so much for uh, giving us some time. Talk to you later, kiddo. All right. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 740 The Game. We've got lots more open coverage coming up. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders on the eve of the Open Championship from the home of golf, St. Andrews and the Old Course. And it is my great pleasure to speak to a guy that has covered this tournament many times in his former life with Sports Illustrated in the New York Times and now with the Golf Channel and host of the Morning Drive, Damon Hack. Welcome to the show. Holly V, thank you so much. That's a wonderful time of the golf season and a Open championship at the old course. I'm lucky enough to cover three of them. Doesn't get much better. No, and it looks like we're going to get some weather, which is what we always like to see over there when the players have to fight the elements, a little wind, a little rain in the forecast. Absolutely. It's going to be one of those typical open championships, you know, by the water. The vagaries of the weather come into play. You remember back in 2010 on that Friday when the wind absolutely blew Blue Roy McIlroy into an 80 following his opening round 63. That's what they're expecting, you know, gusts of 35 to 40 miles an hour. They've had a lot of rain on the golf course. It's a lot more green presentation than we're used to seeing at the old course at St. Andrews. But you just never know where you're going to be, which side of the draw you're going to be, uh, whether it's going to be early, late, or late, early. We have no idea what's going to be the better side of the draw. We just have to wait and see. Hey Damon, it's uh, it's Jeff Shane. And the the like you, the standout memory from five years ago is is that brutal Friday, and uh, and Louis Wistizen running away with it 
kind of because he was in the clubhouse 15 minutes before the thing started. Uh, is, is that uh, a is, is does that take away any I think from the open championship because we've got such a long stretch of tea times. You start at seven in the morning, you go till, till dark and you never know when the weather is going to hit. Is there just a little bit more luck involved in the draw than you would get with the USGA event or the PGA? I think it's a fair observation, but I don't think it detracts from the, uh, the greatness of the open championship. You know, Tom Watson had his press conference talking about, you know, the vagaries of links golf and someone asked him, is our old buddy Scott Michaud, uh, how he felt about uh, that bad bounce that he got on the 72nd hole at Turnberry back in 2009. He says, you know what? I've had a lot of great bounces in my Lynx golf career and some bad bounces, and they kind of all even out in the end. I, I think it's what makes Lynx golf and the Open Championship in particular special because you just don't know what's going to happen until the ball lands. But that's what Lynx golf has always been about. It's how it was designed from the beginning that the weather would play a factor, that the bounces, the movement, the heaving uh, undulations of, of the land would play a large part of it. It's the player that obviously has to have some luck, but also has to be able to control the golf shot and his ball that's going to end up at the best uh, best side at the end of the day. But I don't think it detracts from it. I think, if anything, it makes it unique and special. Sure does, especially some of the geography and those pot bunkers. You know, when you get to see some of these guys – Hit the ball out backwards, sideways. Uh, some classic video you had of Jack Nicholas getting stuck in one of those uh, back in his day. Uh, you know, this, these are the things that are fun to watch the creativity and how the players have to navigate around a Lynx course. Absolutely. And there'll be some players who will talk themselves out of it early and uh, be upset about the draw. But you know what? Uh, the one thing I love about the bunkers, that they're hazards in the U.K. You know, we see bunkers and guys getting up and down. Um, a lot in the United States doesn't happen as easily in the United Kingdom and maybe no more famous bunker in golf than the road hole bunker, the 17th hole that has that bunker fronting the uh, front left part of that green and making everybody want to bail to the right and sometimes end up on the road beyond the bunker. This is, this is so unique to Lynx golf and this hole so unique to the, to the uh, old course. It, it's just one of those things that, that you have to embrace and you have to enjoy and, I think, if anything, the golf fan will love seeing kind of those unique aspects of golf because this is not something we see every week on the PGA Tour. Well, a guy who is totally focused on the job he has to do, Jordan Spieth, coming off the big win and all the momentum at the John Deere, arriving a little bit later than the other guys, but a fantastic half-hour press conference this morning. Really, again, every time I listen to this guy, and I'm sure you feel the same way, he just you know, seems like a 20-year tour veteran in this 21-year-old head of his. He's got all the shots. He's got the maturity of a player who's been around forever, and he's got two major championships in his back pocket. I love the way he's approaching this week at St. Andrews saying, listen, I'm not trying to win three majors in a row. I'm trying to win the Open Championship. That quote reminded me so much of what Tiger Woods used to say when he was in the midst of great runs, you know, winning five, six, seven events in a row. And, of course, the four straight majors from 2000 to 2001. He was never trying to win, you know, more than that one tournament at a time or, or having that one great round at a time or that one great shot at a time. Uh, Jordan Spieth is uh, – you know, a young man with, with an old head on his shoulders, and I think that's going to be a huge asset for him this week. 
as he tries to, you know, pursue history and become the first man since Ben Hogan to win the first three major championships to start a season. Well, you've got some great clips from that press conference on GolfChannel.com, and uh, listeners should go take a, a peek at some of those because there's just some some great stuff of this uh, just burgeoning superstar uh, in front of our eyes. Speaking of uh, old guys, he bristled a, a little bit in his press conference. Tiger Woods, 39, some guys uh, thinking he's, you know, done and gone, as he said to some of the media. But uh, not so much. This is a special place for Tiger, too. I know you've covered him a long time. What are your thoughts on Tiger? Yeah, nice to see him having a little pushback with the media, saying I'm not dead and buried. I'm still sitting right here in front of you. You know, over the last year and a half, it looks like Tiger hasn't had a lot of fun, you know, dealing with trying to break 80, his short game woes, his back surgery. Uh, Tiger made it clear under no uncertain terms that he's not done. He's still hungry. He still wants to compete. He still wants to play golf at a high level. Just hearing him say that, I think, was good for the game, uh, good for his own personal psyche as he tries to take a long view as they listen. I'm undergoing swing changes again. I'm going to take a couple steps back, take a step forward here and there. I took a step forward with the 67 in the final round of the Greenbrier. I've won here twice. I've won three Claret Jugs. He's looking and sounding tremendous. But he doesn't determine the, the terms of the deal anymore. There are younger uh, players who are hitting the ball farther than him that aren't afraid of the big moment, just like he but was not in his prime. So the question is, can Tiger in his B and A game, will they eclipse the Jordan Spieth, the Ricky Fowlers, the Dustin Johnsons, et cetera, et cetera, as they once did? Can he do that again? And that's the question. Put all those pieces back together again. With two wins at the old course of, of his three and just kind of the setup of, of the place because it's a lot of wide open spaces, do you, do you think that gives Tiger maybe more of a fighting chance than he would get at a Carnoustie or a Troon or a Turnberry? It does. I think the generous fairways and the fact that he has such good memories to listen to him talk about uh, the old course, it was like talking about you know an old romance. He loves the golf course. He said it's his favorite on the planet. That's ahead of Torrey Pines and Bay Hill and Augusta National. This is his favorite golf course. And I think it's because of the comfort he feels off the tee. Of course, didn't find a bunker in 2000 on the way to winning by eight shots. So I do think experience, of course, it's always a factor in golf, but especially in Lynx golf, but even more so at a place as confounding as St. Andrews can be. And that's why I think the Tiger may very well better his T-17 that he carded uh, at Augusta National through 72 holes in April. What about the fan factor, Damon? They say there's nothing like the, uh, you know, open championship crowds. They absolutely go crazy. But is it across the board? Do they have their fan favorites? What's, what's the feeling when you're there? They just love the game and appreciate the history. They applaud shots that end up 40 feet from the hole because they know that, hey, you hit that shot from the gorse, that's a tremendous golf shot. The applause sounds different. The yellow scoreboards, the stands, uh, the, the crowds bundled in hats and jackets and gloves and mittens. It's a special place to watch a, a major championship. It's the home of golf. The Scots are extremely knowledgeable, extremely passionate, and extremely grateful uh, for the players coming overseas to play in this in this oldest major championship. Uh, there's nothing like being there, and the fans truly appreciate uh, their 
Well, I don't think I could actually ask you who's on the short list because there just seem to be so many guys that could have a chance at the Claret Jug, both on the U.S. side and the international side. But who is on your watch list, Damon? I really like Ricky Fowler coming off the wind of the Scottish. His body and his golf swing are acclimated uh, to the Scottish a test that awaits him. Uh, he played beautifully in winning at Gullen some 90 minutes away from St. Andrews. He has two top tens in the open. Uh, he is a lynch lover. Uh, he's my number one choice. I also would take a long look at Adam Scott reunited with his caddy, Steve Williams, coming off a tie for fourth finish at Chambers Bay, where he felt his game turned a corner. He, of course, nearly won the Claire Jug in 2012 before four late bogeys handed that to Claire Jug to Ernie L. So right now I would say Fowler, Adam Scott, and I also like Paul Casey, who has a nice uh, open championship record himself, specifically at St. Andrews, who's lost two events on the PJ Tour uh, in playoffs so far this season. Well, Damon, I know you've got a... Big week this week on Morning Drive. You've been up early, uh, you know, with all the coverage and the time difference. And we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us and uh, all the great coverage that the Golf Channel will be giving all the fans this week. Thanks so much for all you do. Holly G and Jeff, it's great catching up. I'll talk to you soon. Damon Hack from the Golf Channel. Thanks so much. That was a terrific interview we did just before we went on air, Jeff, Shane. And uh, before we go to break, a couple of quick announcements. Our Golf Insiders VIP golf cart on sale now. Play some of Central Florida's top-rated courses. Go Mm -hmm. to thegolfinsiders.com, and you can get more info on that. Only 99 bucks to play some great courses for the rest of this summer. Treat yourself or treat a friend and go out and play some golf. And also, our Gary Gilchrist Golf Academy fantastic giveaway for any of our listeners who has a junior golfer, aspiring junior golfer in their family, or knows one. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We are giving away a one-week summer golf camp for a junior. This is an $1,850 value. Again, go to the Golf Insiders website, thegolfinsiders.com. Click on the banner on the front. And you'll get all the details. There are several different camps being offered in August. All you have to do is go sign up, give us your email address. It's simple. Take you two and a half seconds. Well worth it. If you know a junior golfer, go check it out. We've got a lot more to talk about. The British Open begins tomorrow in the wee hours of the morning. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. We'll be right back. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's... My job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. It good, just makes We're back, the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I4 in the house, Holly G, along with Chef Shane. And as I mentioned before we went to break, we've got the Golf Insiders VIP golf card on sale for just 99 bucks. You get to play a dozen of the best courses in Central Florida. Go check it out on our website, thegolfinsiders.com, as well as a very special junior golf camp we're giving away. 
courtesy of the Gary Gilchrist Academy up in the lovely Howie in the Hills mm-hmm. and the beautiful Mission and Golf Resort. This is an $1,850 value for one week of summer camp in August. Go on our website, thegolfinsiders.com, and register to win. If you've got a junior golfer in your life, you've got to go check this out and enter them for this extraordinary opportunity. And we're talking major championship, the British Open, tea time starting in the wee hours of the morning, Jeff Shane. I'll be watching. Well, the, the the broadcast starts in what is it? Nine hours, something like that. Have you have you reset your alarm, adjusted your body clock? And, I got about three or four alarms that are going to go <laughs> off. But I don't want to waste any more time because we've got a very very special guest. Uh, I love when it comes to the majors to bring in this very special friend of the Golf Insiders. He's one of the top mental conditioning coaches. In the country, works uh, out at the David Ledbetter Academy here in Orlando. The one, the only, Dr. Bob Winters. Hey, Dr. Bob. Hi. How are you, Holly? Hi, Jeff. How are you? Doing well. Great. I, you're you're uh, enjoying a little cool weather up north? Yeah, I'm up here. Uh, this is my 22nd year where I've been uh, director for the Nike Golf Schools. And back in 1992 along with a couple of other instructors, we actually started the entire Nike Junior Golf Program. So I have the number one Nike Junior Golf School up here at Williams College up in the northwestern part of Massachusetts. So I come here every summer uh, for five weeks. Uh, I just had returned from the U.S. Open to come up here, and uh, I'm missing the British Open, you know, going over to, to St. Andrews by being up here. So we're sort of getting the new Lydia Coes, the Jordan Spees, you know, the Ricky Fowlers. We're preparing them here for the future years. But right now I'm up here in uh, New England versus England or Scotland. Exactly. <laughs> well, I've been wanting to ask you since the, since the U.S. Open and the uh, unfortunate finish for Dustin Johnson uh, how a player gets over, you know, there's the difference uh, in terms of how these guys internalize situations like that, whether they, you know, they bounce back, learn from it, you know, just as Roy did at the Masters uh, that year on hole number 10, just as Jordan did when he didn't get it done his first year, not that anybody was expecting that, but the ability to take away the the failures, the successes, give us some sense from the mental guru that you are how these players deal with these situations well you know having worked with so many major open champions uh in the past you know 20 years holly uh i don't think they really ever get over it i think they always look at it as one they gave away or one that slipped away yes they learn from it and they actually i think failing is the fertilizer for future success but you know in the long haul they always look back and they always go, man, I had that in my grasp, and I just let it get away. And it really does sort of eat at their crawl a little bit. But if they actually ponder on it too much, it destroys really their present focus, and they never do recover from it. So, uh, you know, we see a lot of players bounce back, and we see other players. Uh, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Scott Hoke at the Masters many years ago, you know, where Nick Faldo, you know, goes on to win. And, you know, Scott, you know, is a great player, did some great things after that, but I'm sure that he always felt like, dang, I let one get away right there, and, and he had it. So, 
you know, in order to actually sort of accept, you've got to say, this is golf. I did the very best I could. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how Dustin Johnson, you know, rebounds from that. Obviously, St. Andrews is a pretty good fit. I look at St. Andrews, and I was out at Chambers Bay, and I mean, I see a lot of similarities, except the one thing I see at St. Andrews right now, it's greener. I mean, it's, it's ironic. It's greener than Chambers Bay was. I, I've never seen anything more brown in all my life. And yeah, who would have thought? Here we are. Who would have thought that yeah. one, huh? Yeah, I'm sitting there, all the rain, you know, up at the great northwest, and the pictures that we saw were definitely taken uh, in early April, uh, but it, they weren't there in June for sure. But, yeah, I think you've also got a lot of different storylines coming up to this British Open. You've got Jordan Spieth, who's now really looking, you know, for the third leg of the Grand Slam. And I've had a lot of people talk to me about that, and they say, what do you think his chances are? And I go, well, it's like American Pharaoh and the Triple Crown. I mean, you have to win the Kentucky Derby, you have to win the Preakness, and you have to win the Belmont Stakes, and each race is a different novel race. And you still have to go out and run the race. And that's really what Jordan Spieth, that's his focus for this week. He's been preparing, and I, I heard him talk the other night, and I thought it was interesting, you know, from a mental or emotional perspective, where he was actually practicing in the rain, uh, and I think in, for the third round of John Deere, and he said, I was really enjoying practicing in the rain because I embraced the elements. And that's really one of the factors that you have to really be ready for in the Open Championship. You know, it's one of those factors. You have to adjust to the weather conditions. You have to adjust to the different type of golf you have to play. And here's a young man who's getting himself ready to play this tournament, not because it's, you know, the third one this year where he can actually win the Grand Slam. It's because he has to get his mind ready to play this tournament this week. Bob, the the way the pairings came out were arranged, really, uh, is that we actually have Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson in the same pairing for Thursday and Friday. How does that affect Dustin, and what what's his best approach to not let it, it get to him necessarily, that the guy who took the trophy from him or that he gave the trophy to is in his same group? Well, I think sometimes you can use that fuel for motivation that, you know, here's a guy that uh, has, you know, the the major championship has his name on it where you really wanted your name on it. So hopefully that will kick, hit, kick him in the, in the rear end a little bit to say, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm really going to go after this one. You know, I know you're going after it, but I want to go after it just as much. But I think each one of them has to realize that, you know, you're now playing in the Open Championship. You're playing at St. Andrews. There's a lot of other distractions going on besides just playing with, with, you know, the other person right now. So they have to play their own game. I know that sounds like a cliche, but that is so important, especially when you go into something that's so important like a major championship, is that you have prepared your whole life to do what you're going to do at this moment. So each one of them has to sort of forget, you know, the past and be in the moment and play the very best they can. And then at the end of the week, you know, Sunday night, they can actually sit back and say, wow, I put in a great you know, British Open performance. And that's really all you can do, and that's all you can ask for as an athlete. We're talking to Dr. Bob Winters, mental conditioning coach. 
based right here in Orlando at the David Ledbetter Academy. It was interesting, again, speaking about Jordan, Dr. Bob. He, you know, of course, all the questions swirling around about his third major in the Grand Slam and how he's already being compared not only with Tiger, but some of, you know, the the legends and the historic uh, accomplishments by the likes of another Texan, Ben Hogan. (laughs) But, you know, he he really seems to just have this ability just to piece it down to the moment. And he said, you know, this is about this tournament, about this major. And that's got to be, uh, you know, terrific mental preparation. Well, I mean, that's the whole point. That's about taking ownership of the now. We, we always talk about this, this notion of being in the present moment, Holly and Jeff, and that's the gift, the gift of the now. This is the present that you provide yourself, that you give yourself. It's the precious present. If you're always thinking about the past or you're jumping into the future, you are a long way off from taking care of and being in control of the precious present. Now, I think what's really interesting, one of my players, Matthew Mabry, who turned professional at the U.S. Open and did great, uh, and then went on, and he's done well in the web.com events he's playing in. I asked him, I said, you played with Jordan many years ago when you guys are both juniors. What was the big thing? And he said, you know, Doc, he said the biggest thing that Jordan Spieth did when he was 14, 15, 16, and, you know, versus me or a lot of, you know, a hundred other young AJGA superstars, is that he really wasn't concerned about hitting the ball 310, 320 yards. He was more concerned with flighting the ball, with beating the golf course, self and course management. You could just see it you know, in him a long time ago. And he was really managing his game. So when you start talking about a Jordan Spieth, you've got someone here who is you know, very young but has a very you know, mature mindset. And he had been preparing himself for a long time to get ready to where he is today. You know, we always talk about this law of attraction, you know, really the law of dominant thought. You know, what you think about, you bring about. But part of it, and the other half of it is, the law of self-creation. When you actually are doing what you've been talking about, and you have that discipline and that compliance, that's really what a Jordan Spieth and even a Tiger Woods, this is what the greatest players in the game have. They know what they need to do, they know what works for them, and they actually go out and do it. And and I mentioned Tiger right there, and I really want to say something about him because I happen to believe that this guy's getting close. I mean, he's now had some good competitive rounds under his belt. He's actually been striping it in in the warm-up rounds. He's been striping it on the practice rounds. All he's needed were a couple of good competitive rounds. And I'm going to be really... Uh, anticipating uh, a Tiger watch at this Open. So you can kind of quote me on this. I really think he's going to do a great job. And I also think another uh, person, uh, Ernie Els, will do very well here this year. It's just just a hunch I have, but I've been seeing these guys, how they sort of are are playing up to to form right now. And and obviously, you know, the Open has a lot of different winners, a lot of international uh, flavor to it. But I'm, I'm really anxious to see, you know, Tiger and Ernie, you know, at this year's championship as well. Well, Dr. Bob, it's shaping up, as always, to be a very special major, the Open Championship. I want to tell all of our listeners, if you really want to improve your golf game, take it to the next level, 
You have to spend a few minutes with Dr. Bob. It's worth it for your golf game. It's worth it for your life. Let me tell you, he's got this great book, Mistake Free Golf. You can check it out, drbobwinners.com. And Dr. Bob, if they want to reach you direct, tell them how. They can reach me at my website, you know, drbobwinters.com, or they can actually just, you know, dial me direct. They can dial me at 407-340-7785. And, you know, one of my administrators, you know, will actually answer the phone and, and plug you know, them right into me. And, I mean, very, you know, I'm also local, but I'm international, and I'm only a phone call away. So, you know, if people need help, you know, I help the, the world's best. And also the most emotionally challenged people on the planet as well. So, you know, I just, I just love what I do, Holly. You know that. We've gone way, way back for a long time. But, you know, I just always love to spread the good word because I tell you what, this game is a tough game. It's a brutal game. But it's, it's the best game that's ever been invented. And I love every day of what I do. Absolutely. And it's always Great to spend time with you, Dr. Bob. Thanks so much, Dr. Bob Winters. DrBobWinters.com with those special insights on the eve of the Open Championship. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. We've got more golf talk coming up. Stay with us. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments. None of which they do very well. Back to Golf Insiders. Wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G and Jeff Shane. Don't forget, the Golf Insiders VIP golf card now on sale. Go check it out, thegolfinsiders.com. All the info's there. Click on the banner. 99 bucks gets you 11 rounds of golf for free. Can't beat that. That's Pays a heck for of a deal. Right away. Absolutely. <laughs> and also the Gary Gilchrist Academy offering a junior summer golf camp, junior summer golf camp in August. And we are giving one away an entire week. Eighteen hundred dollar fifty. Eighteen hundred fifty dollar value. You're too I can't excited. even say it. It's yeah. it's so big. <laughs> anyway, go check out our website, thegolfinsiders.com, register, and you may win for that special junior golfer. Or if you are a junior golfer listening, go check it out. Uh, Jeff, there was another major this past weekend, the U.S. Women's Open Championship, the LPGA Tour in Chun, taking it away from Amy Yang and Stacey Lewis. Yeah. yeah. Down the... Uh, Stretch there. Yeah. A, a Exciting great, finish. Great run by, by NG Chung. Uh, I, I take it NG, no relation to Holly G, but uh, uh, 21-year-old, not, not even 21 year, years old. She turns 21 next month, but uh, one, another one of these young players from Korea. Seven wins on the Korean LPGA. Four birdies in the last seven holes. Zoomed right past Stacey Lewis, right past NB Park, past Amy Yang. Had a little bit of an exciting finish because she bogeyed 18, dropping into a tie with Yang as Yang went to the 18th tee. And then Amy Yang uh, hit it in the rough. Her second shot came up way short of the green, and she left herself about a 12-foot par save that uh, went wide left. And so uh, a uh, another name that we are being introduced to at the moment of a major championship, N.G. Chun, uh, I'm sure that we will be seeing a lot of her on the LPGA Tour as we go. And a big shout-out to Dean Hurden, who is uh, her caddy. 
And this is a second U.S. Open win for Dean. I uh, had another player a couple of years ago, and he's right here in Orlando based out at Orange Tree. Good friend, and just a big shout-out to Dean on, on that uh, great victory on Sunday at the U.S. Women's Open. And final thoughts as we're wrapping <laughs> things up here, Jeff. Uh, on the eve of the Open Championship. Well, obviously, we're all looking forward to it. Got to reset the, the clocks, and uh, we haven't had a chance to to look at somebody go after history like this since the Tiger Slam, uh, and we're all interested to see what happens with Jordan Spieth. I, I have Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler in my pick em on primesportsnetwork.com, so I'm doing good. Well, I think just the, uh, the exciting storyline here with Ricky having won in Scotland, and Jordan winning in the John Deere uh, couldn't be more exciting. And uh, hats off and farewell to Tom Watson as he passes over the Swillican Bridge for the last time. It's all about the Open Championship. Have a great time this week and weekend. Golf Insiders, we love you. Bye-bye.